This is a disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. I'm Peter, and I'm here with my co-host Lee. Hi, and you're joining us for a Tragedy Tuesday. Oh, our, yeah. our, our our mini episodes about tragedies that end up not really being mini, but usually the episode length is mini. Yeah, we sometimes. try sometimes. Well, <laughs> the very first one was longer than our first episode. Mm, I think. You're welcome. But the idea is that they'll be short. So I think. I think I'll keep it short. Yeah. Before I get into that housekeeping, if you want to help us out, best thing you can do is tell a friend to listen. Also, tell an enemy to listen. Tell anyone <laughs> to listen, really. I, I realize I always say tell a friend. It doesn't have to be a friend. Tell your best friend and your worst enemy. If you love us, tell your best friend. If you hate us, tell your enemies. Uh-huh. And maybe they'll meet in the middle. Maybe. Some alliances will be formed. If you want to keep up with us on social media, at This Disaster Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, you can check out our website, www.thisdisasterpod.com, and you can check out our brand new Patreon.com slash thisdisasterpod. Before we dive into this one, we're going to take some reader feedback slash comments. This is, this is a new thing we're going to try out. Reader or listener? I said reader, didn't I? Yeah. I, I think of our listeners as readers because I feel oh, like- they're all readers. We're all, we're very highbrow and oh, intellectual. Yeah. <laughs> How many fart jokes were in the last one? Doesn't matter. Mm. But either way, we've been getting more and more feedback from you guys, which is awesome. Yeah. And some personal oh, messages. That is awesome. We love hearing, you know what, even, even if you don't recommend this podcast to someone or leave a review, get in touch with us and tell us that you're enjoying the show because yeah. that always warms the heart. Or not enjoying it if you have yeah. you know criticism right now if you're not enjoying this send me a message that says hey disaster pod get fucked <laughs> i'll take it do it you know what you it's know? human connection it's right that's why we're it's better than nothing <laughs> <laughs> so steel on the tracks with an x on instagram got in touch okay he had a few bones to pick one specifically with you on the jim sullivan episode mm. he mentioned that so jim sullivan disappeared on a ranch that was right nearby the Skinwalker Ranch. Have you ever heard of that? The Skywalker Ranch. That's a different thing. Skywalker. That has to, nope. Not nope. lightsabers. Not oh. lightsabers. Skinwalker. Skinwalker. Uh-huh. That so, sounds like a demon or something. Well, I'm glad to hear that you don't know anything about it because I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna sign you some homework right now oh. because I have heard about the Skinwalker Ranch uh-huh. and I think it's gonna flip your top a little bit. Flip my top. It's gonna. It's gonna. <laughs> I don't know. That's man. the saying. What's the thing? <laughs> It's gonna it's gonna fork your pumpkin, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so maybe maybe for a pumpkin fork. Maybe you. for uh, <laughs> an upcoming tragedy Tuesday, we'll do a follow up to Jim Sullivan versus the UFO. Okay. And maybe you can get back to me on what you find out about the Skinwalker Ranch. Okay. And well, then we'll satisfy we'll, uh, uh, supplemental. Yeah, because I don't want to get any more messages from stealing the tracks being like, "Hey, jerks, <laughs> you missed a huge part of this story." Yo. We'll do. I'll get back to you on that. Okay. Steal on the tracks. Thanks in the for me- getting in touch, though. Yeah, that, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Keep those coming. And we'll keep reading them out. On to my Tragedy Tuesday. All right. Lay it on me. One evening, while drinking at a local bar near Summers, New York in 1805, Hekaliah, <laughs> that's a name. <laughs> that's a name. That's good. Hekaliah bought an elephant for $1,000. <laughs> wow. Right? That's a hell of a sentence. <laughs> when I write like an intro sentence like that, I'm like, well, this episode's taken care of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just, if you stop now, you've heard enough. It, it writes itself, really. Yep. Hekaliah bought the elephant, who he named Old Bet, with <laughs> the intention of putting her to work on the farm as a draft animal. Old or ol? Well, it said old. I'm assuming ol. Ol. Yeah. I'm sure it became so, Old Bet! I think his daughter's name was Young. Her, his daughter's name, I think, was Beth or Bethany. Oh, and yeah. her nickname was Young Bet, so he named the elephant <laughs> so Old Bet. So could discern her from the elephant. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see a picture of her, so okay. I don't know. So anyway, he he bought it to basically do tasks on the farm, because sure. I'm assuming that an elephant can plow the field 
It's just way better than a horse. Other beast of burden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it turns out there weren't a whole lot of elephants in Summers, New York at the time. You're kidding. So Hekaliah's neighbors flocked to his land to see the exotic animal. <laughs> and Hekaliah, I'm going to say his name every time. I know that I could say he, but I'm going to say Hekaliah. You call him Old Heck. Old Heck. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they would always flock to come and see the elephant, and Hekaliah was happy to oblige for 25 cents each. <laughs> <laughs> oh, opportunistic. Yeah, heck. that's 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 five fifty in twenty twenty US dollars. Oh man, I would be forking over every single day. I, yeah, I, I want. I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gonna go see the elephant. Again. Yeah, don't you, you don't even acknowledge him. You just like slap the five dollar bill into his hands. <laughs> Show me the elephant. Where's that elephant? You're here a lot, Lee. Do you? It's kind of weirding me out a little bit. What is more innocent than the love between the platonic love between a man and an elephant? <laughs> Show me the elephant Show and me the leave elephant. me alone <laughs> and go away. Yeah. Turn around. Hekaliah leveraged this mass intrigue in exotic animals to start a circus. Okay. Over time, he owned two more elephants because, unfortunately, <laughs> Old Bet was shot while on tour by a disgruntled farmer. <laughs> like I'm just an audience member? So a farmer showed up and he was angry about the attention that an elephant was getting from the general public, so he shot her. <laughs> Dead. Now look at my pig. <laughs> <laughs> now that that's over with. I don't know if it was like a animal jealousy thing. But he did shoot the elephant dead. Did they ever say how this guy came upon an elephant to begin with? I did some research and I actually saw the newspaper ad for a live elephant. Just an ad in the newspaper that said, Available, one elephant. Live. Yeah. <laughs> you almost quoted it verbatim. And it was like a hand-drawn picture of an elephant in like 1800 style. <laughs> you know, the thing with the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Up to speed. So oh, this well, farmer I feel bad that he got shot. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's a bummer. Yeah, but he did. Uh, Hekaliah established the Elephant Hotel in Summers, which now acts as the town hall okay. to commemorate Old Bet. Aww. And I think also the farmer might have been a little bit disgruntled and shot the elephant because after Summers got the elephant and all his neighbors saw all the money he was raking in, yeah. they also started getting exotic animals and charging people to see them. <laughs> so Summers kind of became this hotbed of he exotic really animals. Something. Basically, they were cashing in on exotic animal fever. Okay, not to be confused with fever caused by exotic animals mm. <laughs> well, that we much talked worse. about in our yeah. black death episode yes episode 1314 <laughs> again we don't we don't not like inside jokes but we reference previous episodes so a lot start at the beginning Hekaliah's was possibly the earliest circus established in the United States, and he toured with that circus into the mid-1800s. Okay. Unfortunately, Hekaliah's story ends in 1845, Mm -mm. because during a visit to his hometown of Summers, where he bought the elephant at a bar for $1,000 40 (laughs) years ago, he was kicked by a horse and died. I imagine that happened a lot back then. I'm also very proud of myself because I have a note right underneath that line here that says, I promised myself I wouldn't laugh when I read that out loud. You didn't even smile. I didn't even smile. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Now I'm laughing because I'm thinking about it. And it was a different time. Yes. You just know that his headstone is like, Hekaliah kicked by a horse. <laughs> just like just any of a like dozen other headstones. Yeah, right? I just, you don't hear about a lot of people getting kicked Not by so much. horses. Many of Hekaliah's descendants followed in his footsteps by performing in circuses. Hmm. Until in 1881, Hekaliah's nephew, James Anthony, partnered with a man named Phineas Taylor. Hmm. The partnership forever fused Hekaliah's last name, Bailey, with that of Phineas Taylor, Barnum. Barnum. He's going to say Barnum. The Barnum and Bailey Circus. Hey. Yeah, there you famous. go. All comes together. All right. It's an interesting tie-in. The circus show that played to 100 people in Madison Square Garden, remember that we talked about in the Great Blizzard of 1888 oh, sure. episode? That's fresh. So that was basically a brand new circus, probably Barnum and Bailey, 
being in New York City, maybe for the first time, right. playing to an empty Madison Square Garden because New York City got <laughs> destroyed by a blizzard. Well, this sucks. Yeah. Check that out. That was episode 22. Yeah, you held his last name back on purpose. I sure did. You just tried to use his first name, his magnificent first name, well, as misdirection. To be fair, it, it wasn't hard because the name like Hecalaya. Exactly. I'm not, gonna call him, hard. I'm not going to call him Mr. Bailey. If, if Hecalaya ever says, call me Mr. Bailey... I'm calling you heck a lot. <laughs> Afraid not, sir. Yeah. So P.T. Barnum is uh, extra. Let's put it that way. We've <laughs> only got so much time in a mini episode, and he didn't buy an elephant in a bar. So I'm just going to maybe set that aside, and we'll talk about P.T. Barnum in a future episode. <laughs> He's extra? Yeah. Like the way my daughter means it when she says it? Yeah, I wasn't sure about using the word extra, <laughs> but I used it. Look, my, I my, think I know what it means. My wife has been lot watching a lot of like millennial reality TV and okay. extra comes up a lot mm-hmm. so it's it slipped in there just like every now yeah. and then I catch myself saying lit and then I have to like wow. flagellate myself we all say that the Barnum and Bailey Circus was eventually bought by the other big player in the circus game the Ringling Brothers oh yeah 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 they formed a new merged mega circus called the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus and they were rolling in that sweet sweet circus green man it's like the Lollapalooza circuses. It kind of is. Yeah. And that, this was like the thing. They basically made a killing all throughout the Roaring Twenties. Sure. Which was a thing that I had heard about, but I didn't really know that much about. So, mini sidebar about the Roaring Twenties. Okay. So, it was a period of massive economic boom following the First World War. Uh-huh. Just as a few examples, cars went from a luxury good pre-World War One to more or less commonplace. Right. In 1923, sound was added to movies. Hey. Which, talkies. Right? The talkies. The talkies, which yeah. is kind of like how they added 3D to modern movies, but like way less pointless and ruining the medium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ask me how I really feel about 3D movies. I, probably the way I feel like... Should we go see this? Oh, it's only in 3D, so no. Yeah. I was responsible for buying tickets to the latest Star Wars movies for my family over Christmas. Uh-huh. And I purposely, like, I bought IMAX non-3D. Oh, yeah. And everyone was like, what? They didn't realize until we got there. It was like, it's it's not in 3D. And I'm like, yeah, because I yeah, didn't want you to watch a welcome. garbage version of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like skiing a slalom race. Like, yeah. nope, nope, yeah. nope. <laughs> Shush around that. Pointless. So at this time, vaudeville is just dethroned by movies as the thing to oh, do. Oh, well. Depends kinda, on your thoughts on vaudeville. Probably great at the time. Yeah. But, you know, when something better comes along. Yep. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> also, radio became a huge player in mass broadcast media at the time. Oh, yeah. So thanks, Roaring Twenties, for our existence. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> Penicillin was invented in 1929. Hey. And polio was reinvented in, like, 2017. So I guess medicine is cyclical. What? Oh, <laughs> and screw you, Jonas Sulk. Yeah, right. Sulk? Yep. I know some facts. Yep. <laughs> uh, also, jazz became huge in the Roaring Twenties. So did women's suffrage. And also prohibition, which is maybe its own disaster that we'll talk about. Well, yeah, I'm <laughs> sure there's something there. <laughs> the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus even made it through the Great Depression of the 1930s and the Second World War. Oh, so really? Just pushed it all the way through. They were actually given special permission by President Franklin Roosevelt mm. to use the rail lines for their trains, even though there was like a huge restriction on travel during the Second World War. Sure. They got an exception. Because wow. everyone loves the circus. So basically, in a nutshell, the circus was on fire. Yeah. Too soon? So in 1944, <laughs> the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey Circus had the biggest big top in the country. It's called foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So traveling circuses typically erected tents under which the show would take place. Proud of you for not giggling at erect. It's just a word. <laughs> I'm a grown man. Yep. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> typically, circuses had this big, big top. 
Barnum and Bailey went way beyond this. If you ever, if you're ever in Sarasota, Florida, you've got the <laughs> Ringling Museum, uh-huh. which is uh, established by I forget the relation, but it's I think a husband and wife with the last name Ringling. So there's a relationship okay. to the Ringling Brothers. Keeping it going. If you go there, there's a whole section devoted, obviously, to the Ringling Brothers Circus. Yep. And they have a scale model of a typical Ringling Brothers Circus ground. Okay. It was. Friggin' massive. Okay. Like you had the show tents, but then you had tents for feeding all the people working there and you had the animal housing tents and the people housing tents and the fairgrounds. And it was just like this giant sprawling mini metropolis whenever the circus would show up. Sheesh. So on top of all of that, the biggest tent was the show tent, the big top. Wow. The big top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So rain was a concern, obviously, because the show must go on. Of course. So at the time, Typical waterproofing consisted of paraffin wax, which is made of petroleum, uh-huh. dissolved in gasoline. So to answer your question, which I can see you're about to ask, yes, they doused the canvas of the big top in paraffin wax and gasoline okay. to waterproof it. Well, it can't get wet. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want that. Can't have it being wet. No. Is there anything else you wouldn't want it doing? <laughs> Blowing over? Okay, tie down you. <laughs> I guess not. No. Yeah, nothing, so let's, let's nothing just, comes to mind. Not immediately. Let's add another ingredient though. So July 1944, when the circus was in Hartford, Connecticut, World War II was still alive and well. Hell yeah, that's one month past D-Day, mm-hmm. mister. So the circus was understaffed and undersupplied because mm. of World War II. Yeah. If you want an extra little bit of foreshadowing, pause now and go back to listen to our two-part episodes on Chernobyl. If you want to know what being understaffed and undersupplied gets you. <laughs> yeah, just pause and go listen to four hours of podcast <laughs> and then come back. <laughs> On second thought, maybe do finish. It. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Do it. <laughs> we'll wait. We'll wait. No, we won't. We'll be here You'll when just you pause. You'll pause it. Of course we'll be here. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so hiccups were ubiquitous at this point. A smooth running circus is just something that didn't happen. All right. So that's another little... Just Rolling ingredient. With the punches. Yeah. Thursday, July 6th, 1944. Mm-hmm. If you'll remember, every time I start throwing like dates and times. I know you, when it's the specific day we're buckle zero, up. zeroing in. So a crowd of approximately 7,000 people that came to the circus that day was made up mostly of women and children. Wow. Because the circus had shown up late, one of the performances the day before had already been canceled, mm. which is bad juju in the world of circus performers because the show must go on. And if you cancel a show, that's Ooh, already bad luck. Casts a pall. It does. Yeah. The proceedings. So, in an interview with NPR in 2007, Maureen Krekian, who was 11 at the time, remembered what happened during the Lion Act. Oh, okay. You Quote, a witness. Oh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, NPR had a witness, to be fair. Well, not I'll post a link to that. Okay. Yeah, there is a witness. There is a witness. There is a witness available. Quote, I remember somebody yelling and seeing a big ball of fire near the top of the tent. And this ball of fire just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Why? Because the whole thing was soaked in gasoline. Yeah. Okay. And paraffin wax. And paraffin wax. Made of oil. <laughs> yeah. So gas and oil. Perfect. Okay. So at this point, the band started playing the Stars and Stripes forever. <laughs> Which, that's not... Yeah, but it's the secret signal to staff that shit was going down. Is it? Yeah. Oh, so they don't cause so a panic? If you're ever at the circus and you hear the Stars and Stripes forever, take off. Friggin' run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that one of our disaster tenants? That's too specific, uh, I it's think. pretty... That should be a point five or something. Yeah, that'll be that'll be like a footnote. Yeah. If you're ever at a circus and you hear the Stars I and mean, Stripes you, forever. <laughs> and if you do, run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The ringmaster was directing everybody to leave calmly and quietly, but at this point, the power went out and nobody can hear what he was saying. Oops. So Maureen again. By that time, everybody was panicking. The exit was blocked with the cages in which the animals were brought. And there was a man taking kids and flinging them up and over the cage to get them out. (laughs) 
So people reacted in a variety of ways, as you'd expect. <laughs> sure. Some ran in circles, panicked, looking for their friends and loved ones. Uh-huh. Probably the most common one. Right. Some ran out of the tent, but then back in to get people that they realized they had left behind. Oh, okay. And some people just kind of calmly sat in their seats, assuming the fire would be put out soon enough. Or maybe it was part of the show. Yeah, well. <laughs> it's all part of the act, Jimmy. I, I feel like <laughs> after after the stuff we've covered, that's maybe not as surprising as I might have found it at one point. Yeah, yeah. Thinking back to Fire of London, episode three, I think. Mm-hmm. You have so many people that just, nah, this isn't happening. It'll yeah. take care of itself. Yeah. It's fine. Don't Why risk it. a bump on the noggin? Yeah. Along with all this. I'm sure the authorities. They'll take care of it. Yeah. There's people in charge. Exactly. (laughs) People, not me, will handle this. Exactly. (laughs) Maureen again. I was sitting up in the bleachers and jumped down. I was three quarters of the way up. You jumped down and it was all straw underneath. Okay. There was a young man, a kid, and he had a pocket knife. And he slit the tent, took my arm, and pulled me out. Oh. Fortunate. Amazing. Uh Uh-huh. That's another rule. Carry a pocket knife. Always carry a knife. Always carry a knife. (laughs) I'm going to take a pause here to bring my knife out. Always carry Look at a knife. That. If I had my work pants on, I would bring my own knife out. Nice. It's an exacto blade. Yeah. But it'll cut a canvas. No problem. So it's unclear exactly how many people died, but somewhere around 170. Holy and smokes. Yeah, it might be it might be higher because of a few things. So towns at this time didn't really keep great records. Mm. It's unclear how many people were maybe even in the town right. at this circus. <laughs> Some remains were never identified or claimed because uh-huh. when you have a smoldering big top made of gasoline burning everything underneath, you're going to miss some people. Yeah. And the circus records of attendees probably weren't complete in part because the circus handed out free tickets the day before the show. Oh. And a lot of those ended up in the hands of homeless people. Homeless. Who wouldn't hobos, necessarily have records. Transient. Unfortunately. Yeah. Passing through. Yeah, exactly. Sure. I'll go to the circus and burn to death. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't their plan. That wasn't the but, plan, yeah. but hey. Most of those who died burned to death. Probably obvious, That's but yeah. anyway. Some of them died from injuries sustained from jumping from the bleachers, like Maureen did. Mm-hmm. But she jumped. Not She didn't die, but she jumped. She jumped. She landed so people, straw. She lucked out. Other people, not so much. Sheesh. A lot of the people that died were found typically in piles near the exits. So uh, they basically have piles of corpses near all of the exits of the tent. Too many. Silver lining, they did find a few people alive underneath those piles because wow. the piles were like insulation yeah, from the flames yeah, yeah. and the chaos. Not worth the pile of corpses, but at least some good came out of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in addition <laughs> to those that you can get. Yeah. In addition to those that died, there were over 700 injuries. Sure. So trampled. Just, yeah. Trampled yeah. and smoke inhalation. Yeah. Paraffin wax inhalation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so here's a shocker. It's unclear what started the fire. <laughs> right? Maybe a cigarette. Uh-huh. Pro- probably a cigarette. Probably a cigarette. <laughs> 20s. Cigar. Yeah. Flinging butts. Yeah. yeah. And cigarettes. <laughs> Obviously, people immediately suspected an arsonist, and that was helped in 1950 by a man named Robert Dale Segi, who confessed to lighting the fire. Okay. So he signed a confession and everything, uh-huh. but confessions should be considered very contextually, because just because a lot of times the authorities will waive a confession at a trial, but what's the context of signing that sure. confession? Yeah, exactly. Right? Especially so, the <clears throat> further away you get from it. Yeah, As exactly. far as time go, I mean... Yeah. So it, it's 1950s. This is, yeah. Well, 1950, this is like six years later, but it's still, even though six years. When was, oh, it's 44. 44. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking 20s. Yeah, no, no, no. Also, in addition to the skepticism you should always bring to any kind of signed confession, uh-huh. the authorities themselves were questioning the validity of it because Sagi was mentally ill. Uh-huh. And even in 1997, he himself recanted his confession, okay. saying that he just kind of made it up. On top of everything, they didn't actually have any concrete evidence that he was in the same state. <laughs> 
Jones. So I figured you were going to say that at some yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turns out he wasn't even there. Likely not. So five employees of the Ringling Brothers were charged with involuntary manslaughter. Mm-hmm. The Ringling Brothers struck up a deal with Hartford immediately to compensate the city for any claims. So good on them. And they ended up actually, they did actually end up paying $5 million in 1954 to settle, I think, the claims of 600 people. Okay. And that's the equivalent of about $48 million in 2020. Oh, boy. So they actually, like the Ringling Brothers, they started putting aside money from every show that happened after the fire mm-hmm. in anticipation of paying this off. Mm. So kudos to them. They didn't just, a less scrupulous company now would be like, well, we're going to go bankrupt. So let's just ride this into the ground. Yeah, and, exactly. And, you know, screw everyone who has a claim. Yeah, and disappear. Yeah, so that's that's good of them. Four of the five men were actually convicted and ultimately their sentences were pardoned. Which, okay. on the one hand, you want to say bullshit. Uh-huh. On the other hand, you kind of think Chernobyl e is it that easy to point the finger at one cause? Yeah, you can point it at dousing the canvas in gasoline <laughs> I and mean, paraffin wax. Very negligent and just stupid. Yeah, but that was the you way know. things were done. Yeah, they this, they weren't probably coloring outside the lines at that point. Yeah, you know, I'm sure this sure resulted in some that new up. fire codes. For example, That's usually what happens, don't douse your big top in gasoline. Don't douse it. And don't block all your exits with animal cages. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was probably some Something of that. Something to think about. Maybe no smoking indoors. That was another, <laughs> another one. Certainly yeah, not. That would take a while to get uh, rectified. <clears throat> and then looking forward, in April 2017, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey Circus put on its final performance in Hartford during their farewell tour. Mm-hmm. And then as of May 2017, the circus is defunct. So they went on for another like 50, 60 years. Had a good run. Yeah. Have you ever been to the circus? No. Huh. You? Yeah, a couple of times. When I was a kid and again when I was an adult. Cool. Yeah. How was it? Fun. Well, okay, so define circus. I've been to Cirque du Soleil, but that's more of like that a human think, circus. Yeah, exactly. That's more <laughs> acrobatics and art. Yeah, right. This is like there were, I think the first time I literally rode yeah. on an elephant. With, Sweet. With kids. You've ridden on an elephant? Yeah, man, a photographic I've seen an elephant. You know, it turns out they're inhumane and oh, you don't not say. cool. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> but big part of the reason. When that you're they, a kid, you know, give me some popcorn. Yeah, that's another thing that I didn't really want to get into. But yeah, you look into the history of the Ringing Brothers, and especially towards <laughs> the end, people took a real close look and were like. Oh, you're really shitty to these animals. Yeah, I'm sure this fire is one of the better things they've done. <laughs> right, they probably liberated a few. Yeah, wild cats. Anyway. All of this mm. because a man bought an elephant in a bar <laughs> in 1805 for some godforsaken reason. Pro- probably. <laughs> probably not. It's like a butterfly effect thing, but I wanted yeah. to end on that note. I Just like- remember... Remember a man in a bar buying an elephant? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a joke. Right. That was my Tragedy Tuesday That's about the Hartford one. Circus Fire. Wow. Yeah. Messed up. And we'll come, we'll loop back around to P.T. Barnum, I think, at some point. Okay. Looking forward to that. So music-wise, uh, again... <laughs> 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 no, not, not that, not that on not the that nose. that classic. <laughs> For me, like I say, with, with my Tragedy Tuesdays, I usually, I don't necessarily pick something directly connected. It's more kind of what I'm listening to at the moment. Okay. I've been going down a deep nostalgia sort of trip lately Hmm. and this musical choice comes from my 2002 (laughs) it's a band called Rufru oh do you remember them ever listen to them never heard of so it's a British electronic duo made up of Imogen Heap does that ring a bell so she's uh, uh, yeah that name does so Imogen Heap and Guy Sigsworth he's worked with like Bjork Madonna Britney Spears okay it's kind of electronic ambient trip hop 
I guess. Mm. Album's called Details from 2002, and the song is the first song, Let Go. Okay. And the first time I ever heard it was in the trailer for the movie Garden State that I was, oh, yeah. like, hard obsessed with at the okay. time. <laughs> I never saw that. I tried watching it again, and it kind of reminded me what I was like in my early to mid-20s, <laughs> and I was like, ooh, mm, don't, don't need that. Don't need to relive this. <laughs> I don't regret, I ne- we've talked about this before, I don't regret any of my, like, musical preferences. It's just I've moved past some of them. Sure. And most of them are on that soundtrack. <laughs> but that soundtrack did also have Fru Fru and Postal Service, which I still love. There you go. Anyway, and the reason I picked this song, like I said, I've been riding that heavy nostalgia wave. Also, it's kind of airy and fun in a way that I imagine the circus was in its heyday in the Roaring Twenties. Right. Aloof, airy music. It's kind of cool. Yeah. You probably heard a bunch of it just now. I bet you did. So that was my Tragedy Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to help us out, like I said, best thing you can do, tell a friend or enemy or anyone you see on the street to listen to our podcast. Tell a friend of me. Just grab, grab them like both shoulders and be like, this is a disaster. <laughs> and they'll be like, what, our friendship? And you'll be like, no, psyched you out. It's a podcast. You should check it out. Exactly. At this disaster pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. <laughs> www. wrong with you? <laughs> Make some friends, lose some friends. Hey. We're doing whatever we can. Hey. <laughs> also, www.thisdisasterpod.com, our website, to get all the information that we talk about. Uh, check out our patreon.com slash thisdisasterpod. We have one donation tier right now, but if we hit our goal, then we're going to come up with some new... Well, we've already come up with it, but we'll start releasing some new yeah. sweet content. You'll also get a print for signing up. There's that awesome hand-drawn print that we did in collaboration with a local artist that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll post another picture of that on the social media. It's been a while. It's hanging on my wall. Yeah, and mine. Yeah. I've got the original even. No poser. That's no. right. And I think that's pretty much it for Ali. You got anything to add? Do you think that uh, if, uh, if, okay, if you put a put a caterpillar and a, a spider in a jar, yeah. would they fight or would they make friends? <laughs> <laughs> what do you uh, I'll leave that one for the audience. <laughs> uh, you know what? At us and tell us if you think in a <clears throat> jar with a caterpillar and a spider, if they would fight or if they'd be friends. You can't open the door like that. No, that's fair enough. Well, anyway, thanks for tuning in <laughs> and join us for our next major disaster. Yeah, bye. Bye. Bye.